0: Today, we'll tell you how Alexander Rossi slayed the demons, ended a three-year win streak, and summon a little bit of the spirit of cycling champion Jean Robic, all in one episode. Welcome back to Motorsport 101.
1: Of all the references... We've put in an intro of a motorsport one-on-one episode that might be the most obscure, and we've done three hundred and eighty-five of these bad boys. <laughs> that's right.
0: King would be so proud. I,
1: he, that's like that's us. like a. Yeah.
0: We've,
1: we we hit him with a cycling reference in a motorsport podcast. Go, up, we're cultured. We are cultured, what can I say? Welcome got episode 385 of Motorsport 101. I am your friendly neighbourhood host, Dre Harrison. And I'm going to be completely real with you on this one, on the intro. Uh, there's only two of us in here. It's a, it's a cosy episode. Yeah, Me and RJ are snuggling on the couch as we speak. Uh, on, on this, you got
0: any more popcorn over there? Oh,
1: oh yeah, got, pass, got, pass that over this one. Yeah, way. yeah, um, sweet and yeah. salty. It's, it's, it's my favorite. I got the
0: Anamique Van Vluten won the Tour de France Femmes. Oh, yeah, uh, they, they finished on a massive hill climb. But unfortunately, today we're not a cycling podcast. We're here to talk about uh, the race that is officially called the Gallagher Grand Prix at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course. Uh, for For editorial purposes, I'm RJ O'Connell. Uh, my publication does not refer to these races by their sponsor name so I so it's the Brickyard Grand Prix it's the Grand Prix at Indy that happens during the NASCAR Brickyard weekend and boy the NASCAR race was uh was interesting <laughs> we had plenty of public lobby moments
1: uh yeah like I must admit I didn't see all of this cuz I was at work on this one a rare time I've been am very fortunate at the bookies I've not had to close on a Sunday recently, but I did see the overtime, and I did see Kyle Larson turn his car accidentally into a torpedo, um, which was a very scary one. Luckily, Kyle was okay. Um, also, the fact that H- that Hendrick basically threw his man under the bus by saying, "Oh no, no, it definitely wasn't a brake failure," um, which okay, um, <laughs> I must admit, I had the big eyeball opening up emoji on that one when I saw that
0: tweet. Uh, a lot of us were gathered in the Discord watching the race, mm. and, and Zoe was like constantly cheering for like that. Not actual death, by the way. Of course. I just want to point that out there, but just like any amount of carnage in a turn one of these big, heavy stock cars. And at the end of the race, we got it because, you know, that's NASCAR road, road racing in a nutshell.
1: Yeah, it really was. We had Blaney, who we were all rooting for to keep the possibility of breaking the playoff format over its knee by having 17 race winners. Um, We we, we came so close, we flew too close to the sun because Blaney got spun out. Immediately took revenge. That was quite funny. And to make it even funnier, we had Ross Chastain challenging for the win after, as as Spencer Hall put it on Twitter, opting out of turn one. (laughs) Ha ha ha! (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, I, I love the Ross Chastain villain arc in NASCAR I,
1: I, and the, the funny thing is about Ross Chastain is that one he seems like a really really nice guy <laughs> like, he's
0: generally, yeah, he is nice, and he has never forgotten his roots and the struggle that has taken him to get there. And it's great that he's finally enjoying the success at the top level of NASCAR that many people felt should have been owed to him many, many years before this. I also because he's had this yeah. massive setback.
1: Part of me loves him for that. The other part of me is like. You're becoming discount Joey Logano, and I don't like it. Like, this, the the fake sincerity of like knowing he's screwing up and, and, and rubbing people the wrong way and then basically acting like he's feigning innocence. I don't like it.
0: (laughs) It's, don't, don't worry, Kyle. I got my other face on today. (laughs) Uh, but that was NASCAR. Mm. Um, IndyCars, Brickyard, Gallagher, uh, God's only Matt Shelton sacrificed his IndyCar career to go chase some hill climb records and make all this possible. And would you know it? After three long years, Alexander Rossi is back in victory lane. And then seventy. And then several days later, it's tainted.
1: Yeah, again, we got lucky on the, being like pseudo journalists here, like, and obviously timing these podcasts being recorded. Um, like, only about three hours before this recording took place, the news dropped that Alex Rossi's win is only going to be scored at about 60% of what it should be because he's been docked 20 championship points and fined $25,000. And uh, we'll tell you why in a minute. But if you're paying attention to the intro, you'll certainly know why. We'll get into that regarding the Gallagher Grand Prix at the Brickyard as part of the NASCAR IndyCar doubleheader. It was a it, it was a tepid. We'll be honest with you here. It wasn't the most riveting. It was it
0: was fine. It was one of those where, like, as someone who writes race reports on these as part of their job, it's just like, oh yeah, this is the easy stuff because nothing's happening. I could draft like a half to two-thirds of this and not have to worry about deleting the whole thing. But from the perspective of entertainment, yeah, it was
1: it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. It was a solid 5 out of 10 Grand Prix. They can't all be winners, kid, as I often tell people. Um, and yeah, like, in it, Alex Rossi, back in the winner's circle. This was a 47 race, winless streak, for Alex Rossi, nearly, like, over three years since the last... We, over three years. We talked, about it early, we talked about it last week. The last time Alex Rossi won a race was the 2019 Grand Prix at Road America. And he's had a few near misses. I think he's had about six podiums since then, but not a win. Eight
0: podiums since then. Eight.
1: Wow, there you go. So, like, he, he was going for the full Johan Zarco here of uh, everything but winning. Um, uh, But, yeah, this was a first dub, and even then it came with conflicting talk we'll talk about that and the nature of andretti as a whole very very shortly we'll also talk about the fact that there was a surprising man in second and that was christian lingard christian lingard is a monster around this track he really first
0: legitimately breakout rookie performance of the season
1: second Magnificent drive from Christian Lingard. He was the only man who could could stay with Rossi the whole way on strategy and had the pace to stay with him pretty much the whole way through. Didn't ever get close enough to challenge Rossi for the win, but a phenomenal drive from Christian Lingard. The first rookie on the podium this year. The first time an RLL car has been on the podium, I believe, all season long. And uh,
0: it's been over a year since they got one of their cars on the podium is Graham Rahal third at the second Texas race last
1: year. Jesus Christ, that is is that that is not what you think of a team of that quality and resources. Um, Santa Claus um, was down there, Mr. Letterman himself, and he was delighted. They interviewed him during the NASCAR race, and they were like, yeah, you know, our boys were second and seventh was Graham was seventh. You know, 2-7-20. We'll, we'll, we'll take that. <laughs> that. was what he basically said. Um, so yeah, a, a phenomenal performance of Lingar, but it did also get me thinking on a deeper level about the state of, the, of play in the junior ladder. There's been a lot of rumours recently. Marshall Pruitt put out another one of his fascinating Silly Season updates last week um, for racer.com, which is always captivating reading. I do highly recommend, if you haven't already, to read them, because I know a lot of people were surprised when I when I mentioned this on Twitter a couple of days ago regarding certain names that are uh, being teased for that for, for, for certain seats in the future. We'll get into that in the second half of the show. But real quick, we will find places you can find us real quick. We are YouTube. We're on YouTube and Facebook, Motorsport 101. You can find us on there we're on twitter um at motorsport underscore 101 um you can find us on there our personal handles at harrison101hd and rj at oj o'connell uh cam who isn't with us on this one he'll be back next time round. he's at c buckley 917 um so yeah check this check us out on there as i mentioned motorsport101pod on instagram we're also on our website motorsport101.com with written blogs on all the carnage to have come through the last week of F1 silly season and the Hungarian Grand Prix and this race at 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 at, 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 the, at the Brickyard itself. So all of that. You know what's wild is
0: that we've had developments in the ongoing Alex Pillow, uh Chip Gadassi legal fight that seem to indicate this course might escalate to the federal level. Yeah, and, and for once, it, we don't have a full segment laid out for that.
1: Yeah, it's just like, yeah, it, it, it's bad. It's, it's bad because... In we, th- did, we
0: have no further updates until it res- is resolved. I mean, we're still going to mention every once in a while, but
1: yeah. it, it may be
0: worth checking back like once we get a full resolution.
1: Indeed, yeah. The, the latest update essentially has it going to the federal level and uh, Alex Palo apparently may countersue for defamation. Which oh boy, um, good. Have fun with them apples is what my first thought was, um, because God, I, I, even I know from my brief time in doing my degree in broadcast journalism and studying um, law in journalism that defamation suits are pretty damn tricky to prove. So um, good luck on that one. Is what was what I say to Alex. Um, but uh, yeah. I mean, hey,
0: it could be worse. Your lawyers could just. Just give away like evidence that uh, that would completely shoot your case full of holes, like twelve days, uh, prior to you taking the stand.
1: Um, so, so RJ, do you know where your phone is right now? Just asking for a friend. Uh, it's
0: it's right in my hands. Good.
1: Make sure it stays there, um, Alex Jones. I'm looking at you. Um. <laughs> you. See, the key to
0: making sure that this does not happen is to always be online. Always,
1: always, never, never
0: log off. log off.
1: Never log off. Like we, we, yeah, now no. that
0: we're on the same brain cell, should
1: we, should we talk about, should we talk about the Brickyard? Let's talk
0: about the the big machine spiked coolers Grand Prix. No, wait, that's not the Gallagher Grand Prix. So, Alexander Rossi finally gets the W.
1: Wait. First time
0: since 2019 Road America. We Because at that time, we were all thinking, these wins should come easy for him. And then after that, he just never won again. We thought maybe he's struggling with the arrow screen, the added weight. Maybe he's just falling off. Maybe he's just unlucky. Who knows what it was? But he finally got that first win. He's been looking for a long, long time. Hmm. He inherited the lead after Colton Herta put himself in position to win, and then had a terminal gearbox failure Oof. that has cost him yet another victory, yet another finish, yet more huge points. Look, that that preseason pick for the championship—that's
1: done at this point. Yeah. I, I did
0: think it was tested. funny that, that... Dre, what was it you said about his post race comments?
1: Um it was I gave Alex Rossi an award in shithousery. Um subscribe to Niran on YouTube it's at the FNG because I, I have borrowed the meme from him and he's one of the finest foot if you're into your soccer well worth a subscription. He's a very funny man and former F1 guy now with Team Quadrant. I'm very proud of him. Um, uh, our boy Niran, So uh, check him out at FNG. But uh, I gave him an award in shithousery. And I gave him an award in shithousery because he said yeah, I I, I, re- I feel for Colton afterwards. I feel for Colton. And, and no one believed him. <laughs> when James Hitchcliffe is on the mic uh, seconds before his victory saying do not text him uh like uh, 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 congratulations that he won the race he will not read it he will not open it i was like that that just seems to be the alex rossi experience at this point um but yeah uh it was the most insincere i feel for colton i have ever heard um let's not you watch f- the uh oh. did you watch
0: the press r- the post-race conference when somebody oh. asked him like um i think one person asked you know your time's coming to end at Andretti Autosport soon. And remember, this is the only team he's ever known since he right. got to IndyCar, right? Because this was the old Brian Hurdle Auto Autosport seat that got folded into Andretti Autosport when he came in. Mm-hmm. So, someone asked him, "You know, your time's coming to end soon. What'll be your favorite memory?" And then Rossi, without missing a beat, he just says, "Well, that time in mid-Ohio sure was a memory." <laughs> Before giving the real answer of, "You know, winning the Indianapolis 500." In 2016,
1: as a rookie, as a rookie, like I love that that was the first fault that he had. He's such a fucking troll. He's so good at it. Like honestly, it's it's just he's completely leaned into the bit of being the miserable one, and it just works. And people love him for it. I mean, I've never understood that personally, but hey, different horses for different courses, we say in England. Um, but yeah, Alex Rossi. This was a 47 race long duck. He finally got the win, and then as mentioned in the intro, as we found out a couple of hours ago, he's been docked 20 points and fined 25 large. This
0: dropped 96 out, more than 96 hours after the victory, but I got the official news release that IndyCar announced a post-event infraction uh, fining fining Andre Autosport 25,000 US dollars, penalizing the team 20 entrant and driver points, After the number 27 car of Zander Rossi was found in violation of the following in post-race inspection, Uh, the minimum weight shall include the car in ready-to-compete condition excluding driver, driver equivalency weight, fuel, and drink bottle content, as well as the minimum weight for road and street events, 1,700 pounds. Mm. IndyCar President Jay Fry said, From a sporting perspective, the car met minimum requirements. From a technical perspective... The way they achieved the weight is not allowed. To meet minimum weight, the drink bottle and its contents were used as car ballast, which is not permitted and why the team is being fined and penalized. The, the Jean Robic reference was not out of thin air. Uh, this was a guy who famously uh, peddled with uh, drinks bottles filled with mercury or lead designed to increase his weight down in downhill sections. <laughs> And this became uh, this became commonplace in cycling. I actually had to dig through the archives to, to find that. But Rossi lost the points Andretti Autosport lost, you know, a small chunk of money. But he gets to keep the credit for the victory.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, so out of that vacuum, we can go back out of the vacuum and then back into it. Yeah. Um, mm. What Dre, what'd you make of this
1: win? Well, first and foremost. Before all this. Before all this. First and foremost. It's nice to see See at his best again. At his best again. That, this has been coming. You know, look, I've said it before. These are genuine free tool weapon. Like you can win any format of the IndyCar throws at him. I said this back in 2019. That I thought he was the best all-round driver in the series. Um you could win any oval. Any street course, any any road course, he, he he was that good. You know, he was putting off Mar- Marquez level saves under the wheel on numerous occasions. Alex Rossi was that dude. So to see him back at something like his best, where basically after Herta's car died, he was untouchable. Um, yeah. Mad impressive. Like it's good. Like it's a, it's a more fun series when the anti hero is at the front of the field. I, I, I like that. I think the sport needs some of that sometime because I think the sport is often very kumbaya about its personalities. And, and, you know, I've, I've said it before. It's got the whiff of a boys club about it in the car. So to have the anti hero win, I'm all for that. Um, but it did come at Colton hurt expense. And yeah. it this should have been a 1-2. This should have been a 1-2. It's only a 1. And don't get me wrong, I'm sure they'll still be delighted they won this race. But Colton Hurt got fucked again. I just like, it's the third race in a row he's, in, he's encountered shenanigans that really weren't on him. Yes, he drove over a curb, but ninety-nine times out of a hundred, nothing happens. Certainly nothing that breaks a gearbox. I mean, holy shit. I mean, that's just so unlucky. And Yeah. It 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 just sums up the vibe I feel about Andretti at and the moment. Where it just it's even when it's going well, it's still a mess. And yeah, like <sighs>
0: It could easily be an Andretti Autosport one, two that we're talking about, here. and they need and one of them.
1: They th- like they have not been good this season. Dude, Romain Grosjean, who up to
0: this point has been guaranteed money at the road course, had a
1: terrible weekend. He was awful. He was awful, and look, it's e- like people will not realize this until I looked up the standings. Romain Grosjean is 14th in the championship this year.
0: Romain Grosjean is a low-key floppy contender. and It's, it's not even... I, I don't even know what happened
1: there. Yeah, I don't like, know. And people were like, like... Look, a certain former co-host we had back at Long Beach was adamant that Grosjean was the leader in his team now. He's 14th in the standings and has had one podium finish for the whole year. Mm-hmm. One. And that was at Long Beach. He's not been on the podium since, and he wrecked his own 500. Like
0: Colton Herta's bad luck is putting him out of the super license window. Let's not forget that. I think he, a, he had to finish.
1: Yeah, I think he's a hundred points off now.
0: He's it's, it's, it's over. he's more than a hundred points out of the lead. Like he would basically have to win every race and then hope everybody else in front of them has to have a terrible finish to the, to the end of the season, just for him to squeak by with what would get him the minimum number of super license points to qualify for an F1C. And now Alex Pillow and Oscar Piastri are in the window. So, you know, ultimately, I don't think Colton Herta is going to be grudge if he loses out an F1 opportunity too much, especially if mm. he goes on to have the success that we all think he's going to have. Yeah. But man, that's just a bummer.
1: It I'm is a bummer. Still giving
0: him time. It is so a bummer time because he's uh, just twenty two.
1: I was like, it is a bummer, and look, a lot of Colton's lack of success this year is not on him. The big one was the five hundred. That's the one that really did him over for the season, and that one, unfortunately, was on him. And yeah. you know, despite that, he still had other shenanigans go against him that I wouldn't necessarily say was him. But this is the state of Andretti. Alex Rossi is back to something near his best but he's leaving at the end of the year after he directly caused a blow-up within the team. Colton Herter, who was, and I still think is, their headlining driver at Andretti, the number 26 car, has had an awful season by his standards. Um, Grosjean, who, again, they were putting this dude on a fucking plimp. They gave him the 28 DHL flagship car for this season, and he's 14th on the year. And Devlin D'Francesco De has been so bad that they're now looking, actively looking to get him out of that twenty-nine seat at the end of the year. When Andretti called him a quote multi-year project when they chose him over Carl Kirkwood for the seat earlier Whoa. this year. Yikes! They called him a multi-year them, project. And they want to Even if on. they
0: didn't, yeah. This we kind of alluded it. Let's just rip the aid off. They've slipped out of the big three. They slipped out of the big three relative to Ganassi and Penske in terms of being able to deliver this kind of performance consistently. Now, they've got three Indianapolis 500 wins in the last decade. Yeah, don't get me wrong. No terrible, terrible team flukes their way to three Indy 500 wins in the last decade. Right. But in terms of consistently competing for championships – you know, it's bad that I kind of forgot that Colton heard a won a race earlier this season. I thought they hadn't won a race all year. Yeah.
1: It was that forgettable. Again. Yeah.
0: Which is it's amazing, considering it was a, a remarkable win.
1: Yeah, it was an incredible win, but it's been forgotten about now because we talk about Andretti and we talk about the bust of a season. The F1 news, the F1 mess, the fact they're being gaslighted from being on the F1 grid for next year. And... All of that shenanigans about what happened with Alex Rossi at Mid-Ohio. We talk about Grosjean and the fact that, you know, we love Grosjean, but it's not working out for him this season than Andretti. And, well, Devlin's highlight of the of the race this weekend was Connor Daly saying he needs to be booted out of this series. He's an idiot. Oh, <laughs> oof. Which that's rough. Unfortunately, that's not the first time someone said that about Devlin this season, and it's hard to argue against it at this point, unfortunately. I will
0: say, I will say, mid-Ohio, completely blameless. That's the irony of it all.
1: Yeah, that that was the one where he was clean, which I thought was funny more than anything else. I was like, oh, this one, this is the one where he's okay, apparently. Who knew? Um <sighs> It's like it's like Alex Rossi's win here was like the cherry on top of a Sunday made of dog meat. It's it's very, very weird that, you know, yeah, this is absolutely something worth celebrating for Andre this year, and yeah, good for him. But I'm honestly shocked the whole celebration wasn't more awkward. Because it that because it it, it probably should have been, given that their season's been an unmitigated disaster. More like like what what are you taking away from Andretti this season if things roughly stay where they're at this season?
0: Um, you still have Colton Hurd on the books. Yay. You're going to get Kyle Kirkwood back. You're going to get a redo on the mo- on the obvious move that you probably shouldn't have made at the start. And Romain Grosjean hasn't completely lost all his value and burned all his bridges and all that stuff. Maybe you consider, like... Thank you, Harding and Steinbrenner. It's been great having you, but we need to downscale. Uh, maybe you consider finally biting the bullet and going back to three cards. I, I don't know what comes next, but well, the is they're, they're there's ad- still pieces yeah. there. But
1: and, and some's got to shake up, and they're adamant. They're adamant to stay at four. Like I don't yeah. know why. I, I don't. Like, they don't need four cars. Like what? What is, what is four cars giving them right now that, that, that Penske and Ganassi aren't doing with three and Jimmy Johnson? And at least Johnson's good on the ovals.
0: At least, at least when Penske was a four-car operation, like, all four of those cars were still reasonably competitive.
1: Yeah, like, up until the end of Helios Prime, like, there was still a justifiable reason to run four cars. Like... Yeah. You can't say that with Andretti at the moment, because they've had at least one car be complete horseshit for a good half decade. Have we forgotten yeah. the ballad of Zach Veach?
0: Who is uh who is now driving on dirt tracks at a at a short track near you.
1: Or, you know, the the, the last year of James Hinchcliffe when he was riding hurt. Oh, jeez. You know, like they don't need four cars at this point, and Right now, their most consistent driver and the one that's given them the most leverage over the last half decade—the guy that won him a five hundred and got him close to the Aster Cup twice—is now leaving, and not on particularly good terms either. <laughs>
0: um, it's it's wild. And then, of course, before we get into uh, the t- the post-event infraction now. Right. A lot of the reaction around this has nothing to do with the points and the fines. It's about the fact that he kept the win despite the technical infringement. And we are like, not even, not even like two weeks removed from Denny Hamlin and Kyle Bush being thrown out of a NASCAR Cup Series race when they took were first and second on the road mm. for a uh, for a piece of tape that was uh, that made the bumper of the car too thick. Um, I, I got some insight on this. It, like I said, it's, uh, it's with the, uh, the drinks package. Uh, I got, I got this report. This is again from Marshall Prude racer. It's common for teams like Andretti Autosport to outfit their cars with Camelback style fluid bladders that are filled with somewhere between 70 to 120 ounces of each driver's preferred liquid as the bladders are occasionally mounted remote areas in the car. Pit crews sometimes fill or empty the bladders of the pump. In a rare situations, teams have forgotten to drain the bladders prior to going through post-race technical inspection. But the thing was that you know, why does Rossi get to keep the win with a car that didn't meet the letter of the law from a technical perspective and the way that they achieved that minimum weight? It was actually overweight. It wasn't underweight. It was overweight. Mm. Um, but there is a kind of shitty precedence for this. Do you remember 2015 in Milwaukee Mile, the last IndyCar race we had in Milwaukee Mile? Sebastian Bourdais beat the brakes out of the field. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it turns out that car was not, that um, didn't pass all the requirements, but he kept the win. Do you remember 2014 at Houston, one of those wild races where Carlos Huertes, of all people, mm. won out of nowhere? Yeah, that car was not letter legal by the letter of the law. So, By that precedent, yeah. Um, (laughs) Alexander Rossi's win has grounds to stand, even if it's not necessarily, you know, the right or sporting thing to do, to let that stand. Trey, what do you make of that?
1: Uh, Look, I'd be a complete hypocrite to denounce it because I remember James Hinchcliffe's domed skid in Texas a few years back where that epic race in texas where ray Hall beats him by a fist pump and change and Hinchcliffe's second was flagged and he lost i think 20 out of the 40 points he would have gotten for it yeah. because uh his domed skid was too far worn oh um, yeah i completely forgot about that yeah that, that was one i remember obviously being a Hinch fan obviously you, you, you remember these things but um yeah like it's it this seems to be a pattern in american motorsport in general where you know minor technical infringements maybe don't get you dq'd because i think
0: nascar had to be shamed into doing it basically and now that they have a new car they're just like if you break the rules we're going to take wins away and like we're we're taking away huge chunks of points Mm, yeah yeah
1: yeah i i don't know how i feel about it like it's it's pretty clear. It's 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 like a sprint. Like I remember Shadian Fraser Price in in track and field athletics getting popped for taking a pill that was to aid her with two fake. It wasn't to do. It wasn't performance enhancing, but it was on the ban. Remember
0: Matthias Ekstrom in the water bottle?
1: Oh no, I don't remember. <laughs> <me. laughs> I'm sorry. When did we think about
0: that? When did we think about uh uh? When did that come up recently? Was that at Sao Paulo? Was that at Sao Paulo last year in f One? Remind
1: me, remind me.
0: But uh, uh, Mattia Sextrom in a water bottle.
1: Yeah, it's 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 just one of those things where it's like it's not necessarily performance enhancing, and in this case, clearly it did not aid Alex Rossi's performance that much. I mean, okay, yeah, like ballast to make weight is a very common thing in Formula One. Obviously, having that where you want it and having smaller drivers generally is, you know. Gains for an advantage. I don't like people fucking with water bottles. Mm-hmm. I don't like that because it it could be dangerous, and I don't like you know things like that that could compromise the driver's health. We saw AJ Allmendinger after the the NASCAR race and the doubleheader almost pass out from heat exhaustion. I know NASCARs are a bit different because they get very very hot inside their cars over the course of a race. Um, but I don't like fucking with water bottles. I get it. Rossi probably didn't gain an advantage in the race because of it or the technically his car was legal in inverted commas during it so I guess um, I can't be too mad about him getting to keep his win but what's the point of having a technical directive if somebody breaks it they're allowed to have their results stand you've gained an unfair advantage by having your car hooked up the way it's been hooked up Um, but you know I I, yeah. I don't know what I don't know. How, it's a pickle is, is how I would describe it, and I'm not entirely sure what the right answer is on that one.
0: It's it's a strange thing because with IndyCar being a, a spec formula series, like you don't have that kind of like creative messing about that you had or used to have and still kind of have in NASCAR where the only sport real form of motorsport other than on four wheels that has more technical gray areas is formula one that kind of that level of like creative freedom mm. to plunge into the black like that you don't normally see like you know the body panel like the the arrows all wrong and all that stuff it's just i don't know what it'd take i mean i definitely get it i would hate it if rossi lost the win like that but you know there is another driver who probably feels like maybe they should have won uh especially if the car was running out of order yeah talk about that driver yeah christian lundgaard everybody Whew. alpine academy continuing to churn out w's for other <laughs> other entities christian lundgaard finished second uh he brought the same setup that he made his debut with last year when he was still in formula two mm. he got his first podium he got his ray hall letterman landing first podium in over a year and now he has a 27-point lead in the Rookie of the Year standings ahead of David Malukas. Um Callum Eilat is also in the medicine. Remember, he missed a race, but he's done so impressively, quietly running near the top 10, quietly getting into second-round qualifying, and again, with a single-car team, that he's got a contract extension on the table with Yonkos Hollinger Racing. Remember, up to a point, like, we were talking about him, like, potentially going to Ganassi to fill one of the voids left behind in the Owl, whole Alex Pelos saga.
1: Yeah, people like him. People people seem to be very high on Ilot and Lingard in the paddock right now. And this is the point I was going to get to here. I mean, David Malukas has gotten a lot of positive attention in the IndyCar series this year. As Of all the rookies, I reckon, I reckon Malukas has been the most active out there. We talked about his Rookie of the Year efforts in the 500. He's very popular with Marshall Pruitt. He's a very charismatic and likable young man. Um, You know, he's gotten a lot of the hype this season. Not a lot of people have talked about Christian Lingard, who very quietly has gone about his business. Uh, We know RLL not been good as a team as a whole this year. They've struggled across the board on that one. Um, But this was, this was, as you said earlier in the, in the show, RJ, the first real breakout rookie performance of the year from anyone in the field this year, and that was a monster second from Lungard. Not only the second, but the fact he was staying with Alex Rossi all the way through. Very, very impressive stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, so they've obviously gotten to and we know that they have recent ties. Obviously, Lungard, a former Alpine prospect, like I said in the last show, remember when Alpine had Oscar Piastri, Christian Lungard, and Joe Guan Yu all under the same roof? And we were having debates about how Joe Guan Yu is doing really impressive, but Christian Lungard might be better. And, you know, they just, he just ended up getting lost in a sea of uh, being forgotten, uh, being the recipient of some bad mecha-chrome quality control roulette. <laughs> and, uh, uh lot you know friend of the show hazel southwell put out a twitter question like what was who is the one driver in recent years who obviously had the talent but never got a break in formula 1 and the one game that kept up kept coming up more than anybody's calamay lot
1: oh yeah that that name was the most common name i saw in the replies yeah. to that so this is the state of the play i was like this is an interesting pattern here calamay lot Will is the most recent example of guy who was clearly good enough for F one, but just didn't have the luck, for and the funding go their way. Christian mm. Lingard got dropped out of the Alpine Academy, went to IndyCar, and has now hit the ground running and has got a good chance of being Rookie of the Year by the time it's all said and done. Like these were two guys who was in the F one bubble and didn't make it. Like I and if you read Marshall Pruitt's city season piece that came out last week after Iowa. Where the 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 the, the first two hundred words leaps off the page, where he says essentially there's been more mutual interest between IndyCar team bosses and the Formula Two grid than there's ever been in an IndyCar city season. Yeah. Basically, Pruitt said anyone in the top ten has had at least a conversation about it.
0: If you don't have an existing link to an F1 team, you've been in, you've likely been in touch with IndyCar teams and there's two names that stuck out. Marcus Armstrong, member of the Ferrari Driver Academy, his was actually in the window last season. Mm. Remember when he showed up at Nashville?
1: He did, didn't uh,
0: he? Uh yeah, he showed up in Nashville and Marcus Armstrong again, another driver who's had it's clear that he has the talent, but his luck has never reward has never like batched that. And he sits in the standings, and it's looking likely like he's going to be looking on his way out. Then there is the Formula Two championship leader, Felipe Drugovich, who leads the championship by a large margin. He's still got Teo Porcher and Logan Sargent to contend with, but he does bring a lot of independent backing he is not tied to a junior program and you know this is one of those cases where certainly you know it's happened in the past that the champion in the top feeder series going into Formula One that doesn't get an F1 drive you know they can find opportunities in North America we saw that with Sebastian Bordet we saw that with Bruno Giancaro once upon a time Mm. so Dre um is this another instance of Formula One's loss becoming IndyCar's gain to a degree,
1: I think it's a it's a very interesting state of play at the moment. I like because, as we mentioned, Lingard and lot are, are the walking proofs that there's there's obviously talent to be had out there that is very good and and if nurtured correctly can succeed. I lot. And Lingard has got a lot of whispers about their future. Like as you as you mentioned earlier, Islet was linked with the number ten, uh, Ganassi. Apparently, there are multiple teams that are scouting Lingard, maybe for twenty twenty four. Now, I mean, in a, in a year or change, the year and changes time, they clearly like what they see from Lingard. Um, yeah. And let's. I mean, mean, this is an IndyCar predominantly podcast on this occasion, but we also, of course, talk F1, so we can pivot into that a little bit here. The state of play in junior racing right now in Europe is completely busted, and I don't mean that in a good way. It is busted in a bad way. I spoke with someone who knows that paddock very well and has said openly that, we are talking 4 to 6 million euros now for a for, for a top end formula 2 seat per year it's a lot the inflation and obviously the conflict in ukraine uh, has jacked up the price even further than it already was we are talking 3 million euros even for a formula 3 seat at the moment and people are getting outbid for Three million euro seats in Formula Three. I'll give you a hint. One of them was a is is the current W Series champion, um, and that's the state of play in the European Junior Ladder. And unfortunately, this coincides with Formula One having its biggest boom in youth talent probably since two thousand and one, where it's like we've had in the last half decade and change. Max Verstappen. Charles Leclerc, Lando Norris, George Russell, Alex Albon, Lance Stroll, and Pierre All Gasly. of them are
0: on long-term
1: deals. Yeah. Like-
0: all of them on long-term deals. Their futures are pretty much secure. Yes, even Lance Stroll. Even if it is just because he is the boss's son. Right. He has got some security because of that. But, you know... To so this point, I'm looking at the Drivers' Championship. Ah, Marcus Harnsberg just slipped out of the top 10, but he's still sure. within striking distance as behind Yuri Vips, and I'm sure there's people in America who would love to just, you know, paper over those cracks. I look at this championship, I see Drogovic, Enzo Fittipaldi is obviously a indie legacy. You know, there's some good talent to be had here. Um,
1: yeah, lo- Logan Sargent, Waini Iwasa, You know,
0: yeah, like like they're already talking about like who's going to be Takuma Sato's successor. It may not even be Iwasa. Um, But you want to make this point, like, because I've made it before, like, it is cool that they are going out and finding the best talent from overseas, which is great. I also want them to find that balance of getting that along with promoting your homegrown talent because we are starting to reach a point where lights White's a suffering uh, promotes, given like Linus Lundquist is having a fantastic second season. Like, low key, he's been one of the, he's, he hasn't been like to the same level of dominance as Kyle Kirkwood, but he has had a fantastic career so far in American junior formula racing. He's won the Formula Regional Championship. And he mm-hmm. leads the Indy Lights standings by quite a large margin over Andretti Autosports rookie Hunter McElray. Uh, but yep. Lundquist isn't really in with a serious chance of promotion, at least not as much as you might think. Um, he hasn't been hyped as much. And nowhere there. You know, then you start to get in the problem like is IndyCar starting to have its talent bottleneck problem.
1: I think it is, and this and this is despite the fact that IndyCar is expanding. I mean, we're at twenty-seven full-time cars this year. Well, twenty-six now because sadly, it's like the eleven's been parked for the rest of the mm. year uh, over at Foyt. But we're at we were at twenty-seven full-time seats earlier this year, and there is still talk there might be more. Like, Dale Coyne is tempted to run a third car next year. We know McLaren are running a third car full-time next year. Who drives it? Well, that's anyone's guess at this point. But point is, is that the teams are expanding. Like, there is going to be certainly one more full-time car next year, maybe two, depending on if anybody brings enough funding over. There's rumors that Marcus Armstrong might bring cash with him to run a third car at Dale Coyne, for example. So... I've heard him like, link to Foy.
0: This is, I've heard Drogovic yeah. linked to Foy, which oof, at Drogovic you can do better.
1: Tom Blomquist has been mentioned as well, Amaya Shank. Tom Blomquist, yeah. If they if, if they if they don't if they don't tie helio down to a new deal, like Hedio apparently wants to go on into his age forty eight season. Jesus Christ. What it, which is crazy. Jimmy even Johnson even him. says he wants to come back.
0: I think he wants to come back for one more shot at the Indianapolis 500 because the first time
1: didn't go so well, and that's really why he's here. Sure. You know, that's the real reason. We're not stupid. We know that's the real reason why he's here. Um, And look, look, in other words, we could be hovering around 30 full-time cars next year, or certainly close if everything goes to plan and the money and the engineers are found for it. And despite that... The only Indie Lights driver that's getting hype right now is the one that is going to get a mandatory part-time gig next year if he wins the title anyway, and that's Linus Lundqvist.
0: Don't forget Stingray like,
1: Rob. Is in Rob isn't the conversation, but according to Pruitt's post, it's nowhere near on the same level. Yeah. Like, it's like it's looking like Lundqvist is that dude in India Lights this year. Oh, he is. And anybody else is going to be a bit of a struggle like my hunter mikhail ray kiffin simpson might be a year away for chip ganassi from you know rasmussen is not having as good a time as he was at the start of the year where he was getting hyped up as one of those sorts of you know uh, kiffin, simpson, kiffin
0: simpson is kind of a long-term project you know him as the cayman islands guy
1: yeah barbados i believe i think it is okay. um it's a yeah, but um, you know, Commonwealth Games, is, it's part of the thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's the story is essentially that, you know, there just isn't the same level of hype for Indie Lights graduates and Formula 2 in its grid is twerking and IndyCar is twerking back and they like what they see. They have the proof of concept on the grid right now with Lingard and lot, yeah. and they might want more. I mean for Felipe Drugovich is a brilliant driver. There's you know there's there's no getting around that, you know. He, I can understand the appeal for someone like him or for Marcus Armstrong or for you know the incredibly cutthroat world of European junior racing where F1 level talent is falling by the wayside and has opportunities to be picked up. I mean, when, when that's happening, it's hard to resist. If you're an IndyCar team boss, that's the problem. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I don't think there's an easy fix. And you know, like I said, like how can we have 27 full-time cars and we're still struggling to get for IndyCar to promote its own? It's it's that's a, it's wild. A, and I
0: really hope that like. Down the road, we do get some positive growth in terms of uh, in terms of Indy Lights participation. I think it's, I think that's a platform that really deserves a, a larger stage. But um, that's that's going to be a, a very difficult discussion to have. Um, we're going back to Nashville. We are racing over a freaking bridge again.
1: Bridge week.
0: It's bridge, bridge week. week. There have been changes made to the turn of the circuit. Uh, they move moved the restart zone. Uh, They have repaved some of the bumps. They have widened some of the apexes. I am hoping that the race will be entertaining. Maybe not as much of a shit show, because you know me, I love a good shit show, but Ava and I can recognize that, like, yeah, sometimes it can be a bit too much. Sure. Since driver's in with a shot at the championship still.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Six of him, fifty-two points. Max Pillow on the outside, looking in.
0: Joseph Newgarden's and, uh, big opportunity to win his home race.
1: He he needs it. He's running. He's running out of time to land a big counterpunch. Like we, we, like, clock's ticking. We're down to four rounds Could left. You imagine if this Marcus
0: the- Ericsson wins
1: this again. Oh god, it, it could be a title-winning race win if he can if he can get this one again. Hopefully, he's not sent into orbit this time. It would be it would, it would be probably help if it was just a smoother race for him in general yeah, compared yeah. to last year where we had or his car took flight and he had nine cautions. But you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. As mentioned, IndyCar at Nashville this weekend. It's Bridge Week, and yeah. hopefully, it'll run a little smoother. It's little the world's than last largest time. outdoor bachelorette party bitching so yeah next week we'll be talking formula e and and it's london e pre um i heard the butcher is back in the winner's circle so that'll be fun to talk about no doubt we'll also have the return of moto gp this weekend the the british grand prix this weekend on free to air on itv one in the uk brits Watch it, please. Like, give Dawn a more of a reason to give away races on free to wear. Everybody wins. So go watch it on ITV1, the Big Boy Channel. No British touring cars needed here, okay? Go watch Moto GP this weekend at Silverstone and all of that. So we'll be talking about Moto GP there as well. And yeah we were talking a bit of Formula E as well from last week at the London E-Prix, so they'll all be next week on the show, check that out if you, uh, when you get a chance, you know where to find us at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell Facebook, YouTube, Motorsport 101 Instagram, Motorsport 101 Pod um, Twitter, Motorsport underscore 101 website, Motorsport101.com for all of that, and our Patreon on there as well, Motorsport 101, until next time I've been Dre Harrison, he's been RJ O'Connell and until next time sign out
0: where you We're gonna be racing over a bridge again.
1: Again. It's, I love it. Bridge week. Oh. The, the, over or under 50 mentions of the bridge during the race. Uh
0: I'm going I'm going over. It's the, not even clashing with the Olympics this time. <laughs>